Welcome back to Off The Grid Biz Podcast. Today's show featuring Norman, he is something quite different than what we're used to when it comes to interviews. Let me tell you why. We don't focus as much on the reason why we picked him out to interview him, particularly for this show, which is his website, soap.club. We do hit on it, on how he came about it, and how he really thinks that it was a mistake (laughs) to start that website. But he goes through all that when we get to it. The rest of the time, he is really an expert when it comes to e-commerce and especially in the area of Amazon.com. This is one of those that's very business-oriented. So no matter what type of business you have, this would be useful to you. But off-the-grid business owners really need to hear what Norman has to say. That's why I included it on our podcast. Uh, Join me at the end for a quick commentary where we kind of go over some ideas that he produced. Really good episode. Stay tuned. If you're someone who refuses to go along to get along, if you question whether the status quo is good enough for you and your family, you want to leave this world better off than you found it, and you consider independence a sacred thing, you may be a prepper, a gardener, a homesteader, a survivalist, a farmer, a rancher, an environmentalist, or a rugged outdoorsman. This show is for those who choose the road less traveled, the road to self-reliance, for those living a daring adventure, life off the grid. Entrepreneur and businessman Norman, the beard guy Ferrar, stands at the forefront of the economic mega machine known as Amazon Marketplace. As a leading expert with over 25 years of product sourcing, development, and branding expertise, Norm is an advisor to many and an inspiration to all. Throughout his career, he's worked with big brands including Mercedes, Coke, Dell, Microsoft, Target, Hershey, 20th Century Fox, Molson's, Cadbury, and a wide variety of emerging businesses that are celebrating sudden escalation in profitability and sales as a result of taking action on his advice and proven methods. Norm Farrar, welcome to the Off the Grid Biz Podcast. Hey, I'm very happy to be here. Well, that's awesome. So but other than what we heard from your bio, why don't you let everyone know a little bit about what you do on a day-to-day basis? Oh my gosh. So on a day-to-day, actually it starts the night before. I'm one of these old guys. If you can't see me, I'm an old guy (laughs) in the business, but I always like to plan my day the night before. I always find if I know what I'm doing, things can always change. But if I plan ahead of time, then I know. And then what I've tried to do for most of my life is do everything that's important first. So my priority, my task A, it's the very first thing I do. Before I look at anything, I get into my main priority for the day, check my emails only a few times a day. Um, And this is really important for entrepreneurs is that they have to go and clean up their B and C tasks. So I'll take some time and just clean up those five, 10, 20 things that I can get done. The other thing that has been really great for my productivity is hiring somebody to go into my inbox and organize what I have to see and what I don't have to see. So it could be a question, it could be booking a meeting, or it could be an urgent response. I've gone from hundreds of emails down to a few emails. So as long as I concentrate, tasks, plan in advance, do a task, 
check your email once in a while. Um, and also 100%, you have to cut out other forms of communication. So I do, I, I use a program called Franz to funnel all my communication, either to me or an assistant, and also block out Skype and every other communication tool that I have just for an hour at a time or two hours at a time, whatever time I need it. I hope that answers the question. Oh, that's amazing. This gold right off the bat. That's, that's some great <laughs> stuff. Just because we're already into it here, tell me more about hiring like an inbox manager. How do you go about finding somebody like that? I hire people for any repetitive task. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're finding yourself in this roller coaster where or you're passionate about your product, and then you get to a point where you hire somebody and they're never good enough, and then you fire them, and then you take it back yourself, you're in the sales roller coaster, it's probably because you're just not training people properly. So what I've done is um, I have a camera on my screen. I use um, Snagit is usually pretty good, or Loom, and I create tons of videos every day, especially if you're starting out. But what is repetitive? What can be handed off? Inbox can definitely be handed off. All communications. So I have probably, I don't know, maybe eight, 10 communication networks. Like think of it, Slack, uh, Telegram, WeChat, uh, WhatsApp, Skype. There's a bunch and I'm probably forgetting a, a, a few. But can you imagine just having everything going into one channel that if something comes up new, that you have somebody else logged into your account is it important or is it just a buddy saying hi? Um, all you're doing is taking the information that you would do on a regular basis, record it, and that's the beginning of training. But the biggest thing that you need to do when you're training, and I learned this off the E-Myth Academy, Michael Gerber's uh, famous book. I went through the E-Myth Academy and what it told me to do is even if you're a one-person operation, one day you're going to be multiple people. And they all have to buy in to why you're doing things, okay, a certain way. So one of the ways to start this, and it's called a, a performance-based culture, and that is getting people to do things on your behalf, but getting them to do it extremely well, kind of like McDonald's with consistency. It's creating an SOP or a policy and procedure. It's defining why that's important, you know, why you need that task to be done. It's defining the key words that people might not know. So for an Amazon seller, what's FBA? You know, fulfilled by Amazon, what's FBM? Um, you know, what's seller central? And so you can, you can define these keywords for them so they understand. And then any prerequisites, do they have to log in? Oh, if you have to log in, here's how you do it. If you have to set uh, user permissions, this is how you do it, a prerequisite before getting into the SOP. The most important part of an SOP, an SOP is a standard operating procedure, is clearly doing multiple, 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 multiple steps. If you have to take your finger and drag your mouse up to the right-hand corner, that's a step. And then you can give it to somebody. You might have 20 or 30 steps. And then at the very end, you, um, you have something that's quantifiable. How do you quantify when do you check the reports to make sure? When do you uh, revise it? So the training for this is very simple. Once you do this and do one a month, like it sounds like a lot of work, but once you get into the role, you're training your people to do all the SOPs for you because they'll know how to do it. But you go through, 
and you go through step by step. Boom, you know, this is why it's important. This is the definitions. This is, and then you get into the SOP. They go, you've shown them, then they go and do it. Um, we have a um, sort of a three strike, and I don't like using strike. The first time there's a mistake, it's usually because I made a mistake in the SOP. So I always get the VA to go and um, tell me what's wrong and how to fix it. Oh, I, if you did this, I would have a better understanding. Okay, great. No yelling, no screaming. It's on us 99% of the time. The second time there's a mistake, it's okay, look, at, come back again. What was it? Let's correct it. The third time, then we have to consider moving on because obviously the person doesn't understand the task. But that's how we do it for everything. We've got 400 policies and procedures, including a five-page how to make a cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Is. It's five pages on... And this is so important. Like people go, well, that's just being stupid, right? Well, no, it's not. Because if you can't make a cup of coffee policy, how are you going to follow anything that's important? And this is about buy-in. At the time, there was about 23 people in the office. So getting 23 people, a lot that don't drink coffee, to buy in and understand why it's important. Well, we had people coming into the office. Okay, people coming in and they want coffee. Well, they don't want burnt coffee. They don't want to wait 20 minutes to make coffee. They don't want to have coffee that's too watery. They want good coffee. Okay, if we just had it on and it was made perfectly, then we can solve that problem. Who makes the coffee? Well, first person that came in the morning was 5.30 in the morning. He was a tea drinker. Well, you got to make the coffee because this is now the standard operating procedure. Well, I'm not going to do that. We have to follow the rules. And so, and so anyways, it just... It laid out why it was important, who's going to do it, where is the coffee, um, what or how you're going to purchase it, and literally where it is. Here's the cupboards. This is where you put it. This is, you know, oh, when do we buy new more coffee? Five pages. Mm. It's crazy. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's fabulous. I mean, that's a, just amazing ideas right there. Anyone out there has never read uh, Michael Gerber's E-Myth uh, or any of the E-Myth books in the series, uh, you definitely got to get your hands on that if, yeah. if you're looking at growing your business. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about you, Norman? How did you end up at this place to where you're at right now? I am really a mutt when it comes to business. The absolute mutt. I dropped out of school. I went back. Um, I always had business. Like I can remember other than lemonade stands, but um, my first business was a rock promotion company that I opened with four buddies back in the 80s, probably early 80s. But anyways, I've always loved uh, just doing things on my own. Um, my father was an entrepreneur. He had probably any one given time, 10, 20, 30 companies going and some very large companies. I always worked for him since I was probably 10 years old and during holidays and stuff, got 10 cents an hour plus all the soda I could drink. But um, what this led me to believe, I don't want to work for anybody. I worked for a couple of people. I worked for the government. I was in the army. So I was an artillery guy for, you know, just a short period of time. And then it was just, uh, it was with the reserves. And then I worked for another company and that did not last long. You know, one of the things about being an entrepreneur is I love moving on a dime. Corporations, 
most corporations, larger corporations have to go through all these committees. I know what's right. I, at least I hate saying that. It sounds kind of arrogant, but I know what I want to do. You know, so if it's going to take six months to get a decision, I don't want to take that time. I know what's going right now. My research is showing me this. Let's move forward. I've always loved that. So where things really started to come in for me was uh, getting into the promo industry. So I was involved with the promo industry. One of my really good friends and I, we got together and we started this company. And this is actually a really great learning experience for me. We decided, okay, we're going to go and sell like these coffee mugs, right? Or pens and keychains. It was advertising specialties. Basically, I'm selling a Bic pen for 25 cents, which 16,000 other companies are selling for, you know, 25 cents. How can we make more money when the industry was dictating that two people in the company, this is the industry average. The average was two people making 23% gross profit off of, I think it was $3,000 a year. That's not a lot of money. We sat out and we said, how can we do this differently? I love perceived value. I talk about perceived value and this is where I believe in vertical integration and perceived value. So perceived value for me was, okay, let's take this black Gildan 12 ounce t-shirt. It's imprinted. Now we put our tag in it. So it was, you know, let's say angel fish marketing. Then we put it into a poly bag. Then you put it into a box that's white with our name on it and that it's got our tape on it with a fragile thing on. So if, if it is thrown around, it's broken and you can return the box. Plus there's an inspection certificate that says that the box was inspected. Um, now people are getting it. And our really our motto was on time, every time, exactly as you ordered it. Well, people loved it. So we did all these things that cost us what? Nothing. What does it cost for a, a card that's it's been inspected or a fragile thing on you or tape on a box? But what we were able to bring up is our average order um, for gross profit anyways was 45% rather than 23% gross wow. margins. As soon as people saw this in Fortune 5 companies, they don't care. They only want if they're going to be at a golf tournament and they have golf shirts, they want them to arrive on time exactly like you ordered it they were willing to pay double the price. So that's where it started. And then how do you take control over an industry that has no control? We bought screening facilities. We bought embroidery houses. We bought a courier. We bought, cause back then no email, right? It was couriered all over cities and Toronto uh, where we were at, uh, that was a big, um, you know, most of the, the, the headquarters were there for these fortune fives, at least in Canada. And um, then we, you know, bought storage and warehouses. So we had it all in-house. Everything was coming in-house. We were doing catalog programs for companies. So uh, like a uh, Hudson's Bay was giving us all their work. Oh, well, we, okay, we do that. So anyways, that was that. That got me into, uh, into e-commerce. One of the Fortune 500 companies said, hey, can you do um, you know, a, a dealer network where you put our dealer onto a, a mug or a keychain. Sure. I had no idea. I had no, zero idea about the internet, but I took on the job and we did it. We actually used the fortune 500 companies contractors to do it. So it was great. 
And then people saw what we were doing and they said, oh, well, if you're doing that, if they're doing it, we want it. So we got known for doing web design for Fortune Fives. Okay, we did that. Then it went on, I told you I was a mutt. Then <laughs> it went on to um, getting into sourcing. We were one of, back in the 90s, early 90s, going to India, doing sourcing, going to China direct, doing sourcing. Nobody was there. We were there. And then uh, getting in again to fulfillment and all these other things that are along with that. At that point, my father saw what was going on. And this is a big change. He saw what was going on with us in China and making just the killing back then. Um, he said, well, why don't we open up a factory in Taiwan and we can do some of what we're doing over there, hit what his business was doing over in Taiwan. We opened up two manufacturing facilities in Taiwan, got them going, going to American companies and just saying, look, we can cut your cost by about 40, 50%. They were just giving us a ton of work. So that company sold and then um, uh, got involved with, what was it? Specialty packaging, um, hand wipe. We opened up uh, a company in China. So hand wipes that we still have it right now. Um, I'm not too involved with that. It's mostly my brother and my father, but um, yeah, it's there and it's, uh, we still got a presence there. Yeah. Then Amazon, Amazon came and it was like the perfect storm of all of this stuff. God, that was long winded. No, that's okay. <laughs> so you got into Amazon about when? There was a program that came out called AMM back in about 2012, 2013, I forget, but it was Kindle books on Amazon. Mm. And I thought, this sucks. This whole Amazon thing's going to suck. And the buddy I went to, to check this out with, he said, you got to come to Vegas. Um, that AMM thing is now ASM, um, Amazing Selling Machine. And that was uh, Matt Clark and Jason Katzenbeck, both really great guys. And um, I looked at it and I, well, we could do this. This is where, there, you know what? You got to take opportunity when it happens. I'm at the event and I hear this doctor talking and he's saying that it's too much. Like he can't understand Facebook ads and this and that. And I, he says, if I could only, he, he was a doctor. He says, I know what I'm best at. If I could only work on my strengths and have somebody else beat the SMP for me, I would just give it to them. I overheard it. I went, I can do that for you. And he, he looked and two weeks later, he wired me some cash. He knew nothing. He knew not what the, pack, uh, the product was. He had no idea what the, the design was. He had nothing. He had no idea, but we were able to get it from China into Amazon, get it off Amazon onto e-com. We built an exit strategy for him. We built his SOPs. We basically built a business in a box for him. And that's been my business model for Amazon anyways for the last, you know, four or five years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. At the time, I didn't even have a product on Amazon at the time, <laughs> but it couldn't be that hard. Yeah. Well, that's fabulous. One of the first places where we found you was Soap.Club. I think our producer, Sean Douglas, uh, tracked you down there. Tell us a little bit about how you fell into that. You know what? I got to tell you right off the bat, that was a mistake. <laughs> it really, it, it should not... If I would have done my Amazon research better, I would have found out that an entry position into Amazon for basically a 10 to $12 product mm -hmm. 
is not a great price point. It killed me in Canada because I didn't research and the Canadian fulfillment fees were $7.95 on an $11 product. How do you survive? Anyways, it was a mistake, but how did we rectify it? So first of all, I'm big about brand. Brand story is everything. Here's the story. We were in Hawaii, my wife and I, we went to a little outlet, like um, an outdoor market. We checked out this soap. We thought it was like, it really was incredible. The soap artisan had put together these little bars and test. went back and we tested it and it really did make your skin feel a lot nicer. I talked to him the next day and said, you know, this is really cool stuff. What's the difference? And he was, he gave me the whole spiel, right? About, oh, harmful chemicals, blah, 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 blah. I thought, well, maybe if I bought some of this, I'm, I'm going to do my own case study. Gave it to all my friends when I got home. They loved it. They really did love the product. Okay, well, I'm in the soap business now. So now what type of products? Okay, so uh, that was interesting trying to figure out. There's so many tools now that I didn't have back then, like focus groups, usability hub. Um, PicFu is another good one for split testing things. I didn't have that. So all I did is I bought all these scents, you know, packaged them up and packaging's everything. Because people were paying $3 for a bar of soap. Why are they going to pay, you know, $10 to $12 for mine? The thing I didn't think of, and this is all changing right now. We're no longer doing one packs. It was in front of my eyes the whole time. Selling three packs. If I sell in a three pack, I can bring the price up over $30. Then it makes complete sense. And in fact, if I sell a three pack, it's actually cheaper for me to send in Canada than a one pack. I don't know why it's the dimensions, but uh, anyways, what we wanted to do is we wanted to hit just the average person. We wanted people to just feel good about themselves, right? You know, relax, re- recover, rejuvenate. And um, we wanted like our motto or our tagline is natural soap for natural people, you know, just everyday people. And it, it works. Getting onto Amazon, like we're going through a new branding. We're phase two on our branding, which is going to be really incredible, by the way. Um, again, talking about perceived value, but 45 cents worth of packaging, we're going to be able to probably sell a bar of soap for between 10 to $15. A wow. bar of soap. So anyways, I think that uh, it was all done with an incredible brand story. I think the brand story can live on. I think the gifting market is where we don't concentrate on the everyday purchase, but guess what? This is a perfect stocking stuffer. Anybody listening, you know, go soap club, stocking stuffers. (laughs) No, no plugs. But you know, a three pack or like some of the people that come all the time for um, the holidays. I don't want to give flowers. I don't want to give chocolates. Well, give soap, you know, and it could be guest soap. It could be for a wife. It could be a husband. The men's grooming is big right now. So you get the whole men's side and you have gift packs. That's where soap.club is right now. Using that as an example, how did you find your first initial customers? Obviously you said you had tested it with friends and family, but beyond that, where did you find customers for soap? Well, I think, um, the initial, it, and it's completely changed now. Um, 
Like right now, there's a completely different approach. Back then, it was just getting the organic listing up. Amazon kind of put you in the middle of the pack. Anyways, you had a lot better chance back then. Um, PPC was a lot cheaper, so we could get organic sales coming from just a really great listing and through PPC, and that's how it started. But um, organic, like this is so important with any listing, is if you're listing, I call it the Brady Bunch effect. If you can take your images or titles or bullet points and put it against your competitors and have a focus group take a look at it or like pick foos one or uh, usability hub and get them to vote. If you don't beat your competitor, stop doing what you're doing and get it to a point where your images are better, your titles are more engaging or whatever it is. Today, whole different ball game. When I'm launching a product, I do it on content and with influencers. We find our customers are converted into influencers, are converted into brand ambassadors. So we have a perpetual, I mean, it's just continuing uh, amount of social proof. So right now, um, social proof is everything. And if we can, like with one of the companies I have, the one brand uh, is over the last three months, 2000 images, plus one day just going out to the brand ambassador saying, hey, we need you to target this feature. Well, 30 videos came in for Amazon Live. Yeah, but that's the power of influencers. Mm -hmm. And also um, doing things that other people aren't doing. So I'm talking today now. So PPC is one thing. You've got to drive other forms of external traffic. So you can do it on Facebook. Amazon, like on Amazon posts, Amazon live. Um, but you're doing this a lot of the times very inexpensively through influencer networks. Very interesting. It's really, really cool. Okay. Let's take a break from that conversation. I wanted to bring up a question for you. During these crazy times, do you feel like your business is indestructible? Most people don't. And if not, the real question is why? And what can you do to make it as indestructible as possible? Well, that's the basis of my new book, Nine Ways to Amazon Proof Your Business. Let me talk about what we discussed in chapter six, the sixth way, which is to offer ongoing. What does that mean? Well, what it means is don't just have products that are one-time uses. Find a way to offer some type of ongoing value to your clients. Even if you can't offer it yourself, even if you don't specifically offer a service that goes on and on, find someone else who does and team up with them. Find a way to turn what you do into some form of subscription or membership and get your stuff out there more often. Allow them a chance to get to know, like, and trust you via a product or service. This is a way that you can completely take Amazon's idea and twist it into something directly for your own. Amazon Prime's a major deal in the success behind Amazon.com. You can get it to work for you, even if you just work on a local level. But I also have eight other ways to Amazon-proof your business. Basically, the idea of making it competition-proof to even someone as big as Amazon.com. So if you'd like to get your hands on a free copy of my book, go to AmazonProofBook.com. Sign up and you will get a free copy and get the chance to purchase a physical copy of it for a special price. And now, let's get back to our show. 
you've been in the e-commerce game for a while now. Do you ever use any type of offline marketing to supplement what you're doing online? Or is it basically all online uh, PPC and so forth? Okay. So because I believe in this so much, I bought this company, but I bought a press release company. And the reason I bought a press release company is first of all, this is beautiful. So Amazon announces that their algorithms basically all content driven, right? That's what they love. And what's weighted higher news, press releases. So people abuse press releases in the past. I believe, and I've always seen, if you get a cheap press release, uh, you'll get what you pay for. But a good quality press release gets you into so much. Um, I can show you, like there's keywords that we've used that I have in a presentation where I can show you the first full page of amazon.com, amazon.ca, uh, Chewy, the four images, like everything on the first page is us. And then on the second page, everything is us except for two. And that's just because we're hitting it all the time with press release. And we target the press release, but that's after the fact. We load up content onto a website. So we create an e-commerce website. We provide like five ways to X, Y, Z. We get a little snippet done. So um, usually it'll be just um, like a quick video that we can pay for somebody a few bucks to just read. And, um, or if you have Animoto, you can do it very inexpensively, but you put that on YouTube, embed it into your blog article. Now you're gonna have more on time. People love that, you know, just a, okay, they'd rather watch something than read. But once it's published, you go and write a press release about it. And so you're talking about maybe like five reasons why elderly dogs um, need bully sticks, okay? Or uh, bully sticks or health benefits. Your press release says, because it's different, uh, odorless natural bully sticks, three keywords, provide healthy nutritional snack for elderly dogs or research shows. And now you've got a newsworthy item that's linked over to your content, which links back to Amazon. So Amazon loves it because they want external traffic. They tell you, I want external traffic. Well, they're getting 300 to 400 high quality authority links from your press release. Mm -hmm. It's really a bonus. Google's loving you. Amazon's loving you. And you know, I'm loving it because I'm making money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the other thing, yeah. just one other thing. So a lot of online sellers forget about this part. Um, and again, this is another reason why I bought this other division that I brought into uh, PR Reach, public relations. So public relations is basically earned media. Our products, we get on to Rachel Ray. So a knife, okay? So Rachel Ray's using it. Or um, it could be on Dr. Phil, or it could be in Dr. Oz. It could be Rachel, or it could be Wendy Williams. Uh, it could be on, we just had this two weeks ago, the Today Show. You know, so it's getting tons of exposure or getting put into mainstream magazines for free. That gives you a ton of exposure, which your average Amazon seller will never get in their lifetime. Fabulous. That's great. That's, a, that's amazing information there. You do so many things. You have so many businesses. You're a speaker. You're a coach. Out of everything that you're doing right now, would you say there's 
there's any one of them that you like the best, what industry or business right now are you most interested in? I probably the one that has the most potential, like I have a company called the chat agency and it uh, works primarily with Amazon, but it could be any e-commerce company. And it's a way that you can launch rank and maintain that rank over time while building influencer and brand ambassadors. So it's, for me, I feel that it's the only way, as long as you have a 40% profit margin to actually break even or launch your product profitably. There's no other company out there. This is a patent pending process. And I think that it, it's brand new. Uh, we're talking about three or four months old. In the past, you would have to give rebates away, full purchase product. Every time you gave away a product, you're losing money. I don't like to lose, but you're losing money. Uh, this way, I give away a product or the, the way the system is set up, I'm making money. That I'm excited about that. Also, I've got a couple of podcasts. This is all COVID projects. One is for Amazon, which I, I love, you know, Amazon or online e-com. But the one that really uh, I'm having a lot of fun with is I know this guy, so the little thing behind me, but, but uh, uh, it's, it's just about really incredible people. They don't have to be successful. They just have to be incredible people. Some people have no idea who they are. Other people know, like, I can't believe some of the people that are on, but these are people that have had an incredible backstory that are, um, that have failed miserably tell and not worried about telling people that they failed or had these major obstacles and they're not sitting in front of a Lamborghini waving their money. It's that <laughs> it, and it wasn't luck that they lived through hell. This is how they did it. This is how they bounced back. And this is what they learned. And then it goes on to talk about success. I think that's where I'm, I'm just having a blast because I get to talk to these people, you know, and this, and I'm learning so much from them. So that's great. We'll definitely include links uh, to your podcast in our description. So you guys can go and check that out. If we were looking at uh, e-commerce or in Amazon specifically, if you could change one thing about that space, what would it be? Amazon's idiotic customer service. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like for people to know that if they are undercapitalized, don't attempt to get into the business. That is probably the highest percentage. I mean, that's the reason why people fail. You can have a home run, you're undercapitalized, or if, you're, if, if it's your last dollar, don't do it. Just wait a year, do whatever. There'll be something else. You know, Amazon's gonna, not going anywhere or all these other platforms, they're not going anywhere, save your money. Um, that's it. And also, you've, you can't know everything, but you should know a little bit. So always try to constantly learn something. I, I know for my team, we've got a program where we buy anything for them. So you want a training program, we buy it. Your responsibility is one hour a day at the end of the week, you tell us what you learned and how we can apply it to our business. Fabulous. So that's, that's probably what I would talk about. Oh, that's great. If we were to get back together, say like in a year, we were to bring you back on the show and look back over the past 12 months 
and everything that you had done, what would you have need to have done to feel confident and happy with your progress a year from now? I'm probably thinking on the podcast side anyways, that we get some of the systems down better. So it really is quite an arduous task to go out there and, you know, either find or be guests, you know, you know, the same, you know, it's, yep. it's really podcast promotion. There's so many out there right now. It's tough to do. Um, I would love to see where the chat agency is going to be. I think that people are going to realize that, uh, and, and this is a big hurdle. If you, if you want hurdles and what we have to overcome, and if we can do it, this is a big one. Many chat or um, these chat flows, people do them wrong. People do them bad. People don't understand them. So what happens is you get this really crappy name. Like if you were really good in um, social media or SEO, and you've got all these people that are giving you 10-year technology or crap or link junk links and you know it's the same thing with chatbots you've got all these people that have taken a course that know nothing they know nothing about the the facebook terms of service gives everybody a bad name mm -hmm. so now that's what we have to overcome if i can or if we can overcome that then it's going to be a really great company and uh, i'd really like to see where that goes uh, the other thing is um video so video and Amazon and video are going to go hand in hand. They're going to, it's going to be massive as well as seeing where Amazon goes. If we can come over the hurdle of posting regularly, um, building up Amazon live and building that whole brand story to become a real brand or micro brand on Amazon. That's what I want to be able to do. Oh, that's great. Can't wait to see how things go on that. The, <laughs> out of everything that I've uh, talked with you here today, what question would you like to answer that I haven't asked you? How long did it take to grow my beard? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that is, it should have been about three years. It's taken a lot longer because I burnt it off making hamburgers. Oh, wow. Flame caught it, just yeah, I pulled a Michael Jackson. I mean, it just went up, but uh, and it went up stupidly too because it was kind of like a Yosemite Sam right up in the middle. Oh no! <laughs> that was my question. If you want something business-wise, education. What type of knowledge should you have before going into Amazon or e-commerce? My answer is that there's so many people that I see that aren't properly educated or they try to do it free. They try to just go onto YouTube and watch three or four year old information that is wrong. Uh, also, they watch too many. So you've got all these self-proclaimed gurus that are out there giving you different types of information about the same thing that could easily give you the same. So the same results, but now you got 10 people working at your head just follow one or follow two. So take a course, you know, make sure you take a course. There's lots out there. Um, Helium 10's Freedom Ticket. Uh, they've got uh, ASM's a good one. That's their amazing.com uh, now. There's a bunch out there, but just make sure you take a course, invest in your future, constantly learn. And probably the most important thing, join a mastermind. A lot of masterminds are free. 
Um, others you pay for, you know, it could be 50 bucks, it could be 300 bucks, it could be higher. Um, again, it's, it's probably, um, you get what you pay for. So if I'm able to go into a mastermind and say, hey, I got this problem and get it solved within a minute, that's a good mastermind. So those are probably the things, just knowledge and education for Amazon is everything. Also, because it's just so big. Fabulous. Really great to hear. We can we can keep going with you, Norman. It's <laughs> really some amazing stuff. We, I, I mean, there's so much here that I've written down personally that I got to go back and re-listen to this and, and hear what you had to say on it because it's, it's really great info. Uh, what could listeners do who want to find out more about you and everything that you provide? Well, probably the easiest thing, you know, this is complete narcissism, but it's uh, just go to normferrar.com uh, and that has everything there. It has uh, the podcast, the different companies, and hopefully I bought Norm Ferrar uh, a month ago. I, hopefully it's going to point over to normanferrar.com, but that's where you get all the information. Um, you know, it has all our social media. We are on um, Kelsey. My son does a lot of the social media. And he does a great job with repurposing stuff. So we're all over the place. Oh, that's great. That's it's great that you got your family all involved and everything. And, and I can tell you, you know, this kind of learning from your father and everything else and kind of building out that, that entrepreneurial spirit that's really the coolest thing in the world. I'm really happy that I, I've got two of my sons. Um, I've got three boys, but two of them, this is a COVID blessing, decided that they weren't doing what they were doing. And they were coming back, they stayed here and they ended up, you know, being part of the company, which was completely a surprise because I always thought they thought what I did sucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's great that the crazy situations of 2020 have pulled everything together for you. That's yeah. awesome. Well, hey, Norman Farrar, entrepreneur, speaker, coach, mentor. Thanks so much for being on the Off The Grid Biz Podcast. It has been my pleasure. That was a really great conversation we had with Norman there. There's so many pieces here that I think you'd miss if you only listened to this once. I know I mentioned it during the show. If you weren't taking notes the first time, you should listen to it again and catch some of this stuff. Starting right off the bat where he's discussing controlling communication was a huge piece. All throughout about the importance of packaging and how that can matter to the overall price and how it can matter to how things get bought or how they get shipped. That's huge. That that's, makes a huge difference regardless of whether you're working with Amazon or not. These are issues that everybody that is working in the world of e-commerce needs to be familiar with. Included in that is how to take control over an industry that has no control. I mean, I love, I love when he went into that and, and how do you fix a broken product business. If it's broken from the bottom up, if you went into it with the wrong idea, where do you go from there? All the little pieces that he mentioned about e-commerce and the power of press releases, at the very end, him discussing using a mastermind, these are all really high quality comments that he's making and some great resources that he's pointed us to. Once again, recommend you re-listen to this, recommend that you follow through on some of these ideas. I think it'll be very useful to your business. This is honestly one of those conversations that I think should be for sale because 
There's so much good information in it, and I'm happy you can join me in my conversation with Norman here on the Off The Grid Biz Podcast. Join us again on the next Off The Grid Biz Podcast, brought to you by the team at brianjpombo.com, helping successful but overworked entrepreneurs transform their companies into dream assets. That's B-R-I-A-N-J-P-O-M-B-O.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Off The Grid Biz Podcast, go to offthegridbiz.com slash contact. Those who appear on the show do not necessarily endorse my beliefs, suggestions, or advice, or any of the services provided by our sponsor. Our theme music is Cold Sun by Dell. Our executive producer and head researcher is Sean E. Douglas. I'm Brian Pombo, and until next time, I wish you peace, freedom, and success.